Welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Manicharian, former NFL scout and now of Sports Info Solutions, joined by Aaron Schatz, the godfather of football analytics and the founder of Football Outsiders. We've got our producer, Justin Stein, with us, and we are going to keep it quick and move through these games relatively fast today. Aaron, Let's get right into it. What are the games that we're talking about this week? Yeah, a lot of really good games in week 11. We're going to skip Thursday night, obviously, since a lot of people won't uh, hear this podcast till after that. But even without Thursday night, there are still four other games this week that feature two teams with winning records against each other. So let's start at the 1 p.m. window, which is Tennessee at Baltimore, the matchup of opposites. Baltimore is fantastic on defense and special teams, but their offense is much worse than it was a year ago, currently ranks only 24th in DVOA, while Tennessee is third on offense, but their defense is 24th and their special teams are 31st. Both of these teams kind of taking a step back on the DVOA leaderboard since last week, but both teams are still 6-3, and three. Uh, but you see there's a big difference with the Ravens at number 6, but the Titans down at number 16. Yeah, but I think these teams are a little closer than what they look like. And the reason why is because of what we always talk about, where offense is more consistent and predictive than defense and special teams. So essentially, the odds that the Tennessee offense will continue to be this good are stronger than the odds that the Baltimore defense and special teams will continue to be this good. You know, even though the the Baltimore special teams are the most consistent in the league, like they, they, where other special teams are extremely inconsistent, the Baltimore special teams have always been very consistent. But still, like the, the odds that the Tennessee offense will continue to be this good are strong. And unfortunately for Baltimore, the odds that their offense will continue to have problems this year are strong. Yep. Sometimes people struggle with the concept of regressing to the mean. Uh, this is a great example of it. Certainly the Baltimore offense has, yeah, after just a fantastic performance last year, Lamar Jackson passing the ball has just not, I think some of it is he doesn't have the pass protection that he had a year ago. Some of it is that those receivers have simply not developed the way that Baltimore wanted them to. Uh, But that passing game is down at 22nd in DVOA. Yeah, I've had my eyes on the offensive line injuries really for both of these teams uh, for a few weeks now. And looking in at, at how things have kind of gone, Orlando Brown has looked just fine on the left side for the Ravens, although I should note that he was limited in practice yesterday on Wednesday. But DJ Fluker was a big problem in pass protection. And this past week, Matt Skura couldn't snap the ball correctly. So up front is really, I think, where a lot of the issues start. What they did that was interesting, they, they kicked McCarry out to tackle in the second half, taking Fluker's spot, um, with Ben Powers coming off the bench to play some guard. I don't know exactly what their plan's going to be, how they're going to play those guys in this game, but to me, that's the part of the offense that they have to figure out in order to get all the other parts falling into place. Yes, they don't have the three tight ends, but really, it wasn't that many three tight end snaps last year. Certainly haven't been the same. For me, it just it comes straight back to that offensive line and needing to figure that out. I mean, the good news for them is that that is not the worst weekend uh, weakness to have against Tennessee because Tennessee's pass rush, like even with Jadavian Clowney around, Tennessee's pass rush has not been very good this year. So pass protection, like if you're going to have a weakness, pass protection is a weakness that might be okay to have against Tennessee. Flip it around the other way. And if Calais Campbell and or Brandon Williams can't play for the Ravens, those are the exact type of guys that you don't want to have injured against the Titans, right? So the Absolutely. Titans, 
even with the Taylor Lewan injury, they've continued to be a strong running team in the last few games. They have 16 passing blown blocks compared to just nine rushing blown blocks since week seven, the games that they've played since he's been out. And of course, they still have Derrick Henry in the run game. So I look at those injuries as a big problem for the Ravens if they can't play defensively. But when you look at the pass game since Taylor Lewan's been out, Tannehill's been completing just 57% of his passes for 7.0 yards per attempt since week seven. That's way off the Tannehill pace that we saw for about the, the year before that. So he's still not making big mistakes, just one interception over that time, but he's not creating much value either. So I really look at the upfront battle in this game. I think injury attrition will be a factor in this game and those matchups that you were kind of pointing out up front for each each side. I think that's where this game gets decided and ultimately determines which quarterback plays better. I agree. I definitely think this game is closer than Vegas has it. I was really surprised that the Vegas line is six and a half points on this game. It seems a lot more like a four point game, maybe. Yeah, I could see what you're saying there. I think Baltimore's the clear favorite at home, but maybe the magnitude of that. I wonder uh, what's what's coming in behind that. I wonder what Vegas uh, knows or thinks they know that that might be different. All right, let's keep it moving forward. Second up this week, what do we got? Yeah, now let's move to the four o'clock Eastern window where the biggest game of the week is Green Bay at Indianapolis, a nice cross-conference game for us. Green Bay being seventh overall in DVOA and Indianapolis being fifth overall. But once again, it's a matchup of opposites. Green Bay is second on offense, but average on defense and bad on special teams. Indianapolis is 18th on offense, but fourth on defense and good on special teams, sixth. So this is another matchup of opposites, although I will point out the Green Bay defense has gotten better in recent weeks. Like the Green Bay defense was around like 24th or 25th a few weeks ago. Uh, they've had some some better weeks in recent weeks. Yeah, for this game, for me, where I'm looking is the strength on strength. Aaron Rodgers against the Colts and, and the Colts pass defense, and specifically that secondary that loves to play zone coverage. Uh, you know, I should really say that the, the seven pass coverage players, how well they all do there. So the interesting thing about this for me is the Colts love to play zone coverage and they're very good at it. And teams in general seem to go out of their way to not play zone against Aaron Rodgers, which makes sense, right? The Packers have seen the least zone coverage in the NFL this year, just 149 dropbacks. And Rodgers leads the, leads the league in quarterback rating on those dropbacks. So it's been clear. Don't do it against him. He's really good against it. Um, you can't fool this guy. And uh, he's limited by the amount of help he gets from his skill position players, uh, especially with all the injuries at the Packers receivers right now. So most teams are going to double Devontae Adams and man up the rest of the players. That's how teams play against Green Bay. And you kind of force the weapons to make plays as opposed to letting Rodgers just sit back and beat the zone. The thing is, I just don't think it's in the Colts' DNA to do that. I think they do that as a changeup, and that's it. So this is a really, I think, going to come back. If Adams can't play, it'll certainly put a damper on things for me. But assuming Adams does play, I think this is a really fun strength-on-strength matchup where Packers is facing zone coverage, and the Colts might be the one team in the NFL that has the zone coverage kind of chops to compete with Aaron Rodgers. And I will point out that the Packers' offense is getting stronger because Alan Lazard will be – activated for this game. So uh, he's really their number two receiver uh, rather than Valdez Scantling. 
yeah, having him in there allows them to, I think, run different personnel groupings that they're much more comfortable in. The other thing I'll point out, and I think this is sort of applicable to a lot of teams that play zone coverage, is the Colts are weaker against the number one receiver than they are against other receivers. Like they're only 16th covering the number one receiver. And I think that goes with what you were saying about like, are they willing to go against their defensive DNA to double Devontae Adams? You know, we'll talk about the Rams later because I wanted to circle back on how we were looking at that with the Rams against Seattle last week. But in this case, I I, uh, I can't imagine them, you know, come at, coming out and playing man, you know, 80% of the snaps in this game. I just don't think that's who they are in terms of, of the Colts and what they can do against Aaron Rodgers. So for me, that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. I can't wait for the All-22 to come out. Yeah, as far as Green Bay on defense, like I said, it's been better in recent weeks. They are uh, weak against running backs in the receiving game, which is not the best weakness to have against Naheem Hines, you know, who's been phenomenal as a receiver this year. And the Colts, like just all their running backs, they use as receivers really well. The Colts offense is sort of balanced in its mediocrity. They're 20th passing and 18th running. Yeah, it's like that we were talking about their offensive identity. Is their offensive identity just short passes to running backs? Because that doesn't seem like <laughs> that doesn't seem like the best one, but maybe it's a good one to have this week, to, to your point. Like where did T.Y. Hilton go? Like T.Y. Hilton has become I mean, he, he gets a few passes a game, but I mean Rivers he can't go deep because Rivers can't really take advantage of that. So T.Y. Hilton's not really a thing anymore. Right. He's, he's been uh, partially injured, but even when he's been in there, it's been hot and cold production as opposed to what we were used to seeing with Luck and with Brissett. So I wonder how T.Y. Hilton feels about the quarterback situation. Yeah, probably not as excited about it, even though they're playing better as a team. All right, let's keep it moving. That was the four o'clock game. What do we have on Sunday night? All right, here we go. Kansas City at Las Vegas, the big rematch of Kansas City's only loss this year. Now, here's the problem with talking about this game. On one hand, this is the one big game this week where we have a prior game where we can go back and say, well, here's how Kansas City faced Las Vegas the first time. On the other hand, who is taking the field for the Raiders? I don't know. You don't know. And they don't know right now because COVID has absolutely hammered them. And they have tons of players who've had close contact and are now on the COVID reserve list. And if those guys have negative tests for five days, they're all coming off the reserve list on Sunday and they're all playing on Sunday night without practice. But if any of them have positive tests, they're gone. Yeah, it's the Kansas City Chiefs against the Miami Marlins of the beginning of the baseball season, it sounds like, because I, I was reading that over half of the starting defense is on the COVID list. So you're right. This is not a team that you want to not be able to practice against when you're going into a second matchup against Patrick Mahomes. We looked at, you know, we looked into what happened that last game. They forced a rough game from Mahomes. He did have 340 yards, but he completed only 51% of his passes, and he had his lone interception of the season, just two quarterbacks, pretty good, probably what you'd take if you could tell ahead of time against Mahomes. In that game, the Raiders played a lot of zone. It was a lot of cover two and a lot of cover three that they mixed in, and they had a lot of success against the Chiefs that way. So basically what they did is they sat back, they let their, their front four rush and went up front, and I don't know how you, first of all, replicate the intricacy of the zone schemes that they're playing and being able to fool Mahomes and not give him easy reads without practicing. And then to hope that after a week of practice that you're going to be able to do what they did up front in that game again. I, 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 don't, I wouldn't bet on it. I'll point out also the Raiders have been great against tight ends this year, except in this game where they did everything else right 
but they gave up. Travis Kelsey had 108 yards on eight catches with a touchdown. It's almost like they were like, we'll give you Kelsey, but we're not letting you complete anything deep to the wide receivers. Las Vegas Raiders are just a perplexing team for me. I saw they were up from 22 to 14 in DVR. Yeah, they had a huge win last week. A dominant win. And they've been, you know, they've been one of these teams that you don't think of it, but they do have these dominant wins to go with their schedule. And, you know, looking at just Pythagorean wins and things like that, um, they're a team that I think people might sleep on. But still, even at home, I, I, I have a hard time picturing it against the Chiefs. And for a while, they were just passing game, right? Like Derek Carr was much better than people ever want to give him credit for. But their running game was not good. Their defense was not good. What's happened in the last few weeks is their defense has improved and their running game is now coming off its two best performances of the year. And that's pretty good facing a weak Chiefs run defense. We know that teams like to run against the Chiefs as much as possible. Like you don't necessarily see it in the raw numbers because the Chiefs are ahead so late, so often late in games that teams can't run the ball anymore. But early in games, teams want to run against the Chiefs because of the problems they have on run defense. And the Raiders' running game has been really good the last couple of weeks. Interesting thing to keep an eye on with the Chiefs. They pick up DeAndre Baker. Uh, he's on their practice squad now. He was the, the Giants' first-round pick from a year ago. We loved in the football rookie handbook and sounded like he was just a total knucklehead getting into trouble off the field, but it sounds like he's getting a second chance, and I'm intrigued to see uh, what he can do in Spag's team if, if uh, they can get him back up to the active lineup because he's a really talented player. Yeah, definitely more long run. That's not, not going to be an issue for this week, but he's an interesting – I mean, every time, anytime you can pick up a recent first-round pick for free – you probably want to try to do that. All right. Uh, Brett Beach has been pretty good at identifying talent. And yeah, that first rounder for free. Although, you know, look, it beats me. I don't, I don't understand what happened in that court case. Like the, the lawyer himself got arrested and then, and then the, all the charges got dropped and it's like a complete mess. I can't tell if the, the charges were shady from the beginning or if there was some witness tampering that went on and charges just disappeared, maybe a combination of the two. But one of the most bizarre stories, like if you go back to, to reading the original police report and Quentin Dunbar involved also, the Seahawks, very interesting stuff if anybody was interested in that sort of thing. All right, one more game to talk about for this week. Now we go to Monday Night Football, which is a really good one this week. L.A. Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Rams, number one in pass coverage points saved this year. The Bucks number two in pass coverage points saved this year. Should be really interesting for both of these quarterbacks against both of these pass defenses. I gave a little uh, preview of this earlier. Last week, we had an eye on Goff against the Seahawks, kind of secondary war of attrition. And the Seahawks leaned heavily into their cover three scheme. So they ignored the fact that that was where Goff was their best. They went with what they do best. And on 16 throws versus cover three, Goff had 13 completions for a buck 76. That's 11 yards per attempt, and it was the majority of his production. Goff had one of his strongest games by our metrics since week two. On the Buck side of things, they've also been their strongest in cover three. 108 attempts against cover three. They've created 39 pass defense point saves. But I think this is a little bit different than it was with the Seahawks. They're not nearly as reliant on that cover three as the Seahawks were. I think there'll be a lot more multiple in this game uh, when it comes to, to playing against Goff. And I do like the way that the Bucs secondary matches off against Goff in this one. We have Tampa Bay's defense a lot better than the Rams defense because of uh, opponent adjustments. 
Obviously, the Rams have played a very easy schedule of opposing offenses this year. Uh, but what's interesting about the Tampa defense is even though it's first overall, it's only 26th in the red zone. And that's something that tends to regress to the mean. So the Tampa defense might actually get better as the season goes along because they're weak in a place that tends to regress heavily. That's interesting. We have the Rams a little bit lower in, in terms of their run defense. We have them as a very good pass defense team, but then again, the Bucks number one in run defense and the Rams a little bit lower. So that's where the difference comes in uh, by our metrics. Yep, and we have the Bucks second in run defense behind the Saints right now. Looking at the matchup of for Tom Brady against the Rams defensively, the Rams have been the best split safety zone team in the NFL this year. So where their pass defense has excelled has been in those, those two high safety zones. So that's cover two, cover four, cover six, and Tampa two. They've got 55 pass coverage points saved in those situations. And I think their strategy in this one is to do everything they can to keep two safeties high and dare Bruce Arians to stick with the run game. I think it's not what Bruce Arians wants to do. It's not what Tom Brady wants to do. But I think the Rams have to stay back there. Brady has seen the second most split safety zone in the league this year. And he's completed just 64% of his passes for 7.0 yards per attempt six touchdowns and four interceptions against those schemes. So that's the matchup that I'm looking at on that side of the of the ball. It's the Rams and their strength in split safety zone against the Bucks who don't want to face that. And the best way for them to get out of that is probably going to be to run the ball a little more. We saw uh, Ron Jones have uh, the huge run last week. They'll need to duplicate that kind of rushing success, I think, if they want to have the the kind of to get the matchups that they want to win in the passing game as well. Yeah, I'll also point out the return of guard Ali Marpet, which is really important to the Tampa pass protection. Like, even with Tampa having a really good game last week, the pass protection was not great. And, of course, it was terrible against the Saints the week before. And uh, you don't want to be missing a starting guard when you're going up against Aaron Donald. So the return of Marpet is pretty important. Huge. He's easily their best offensive lineman. And, uh, obviously, against Aaron Donald, you want to be, you want to be having your best guys up there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. On that note, we will sign off and get out of here. Thank you to all of our listeners. Hope you enjoy all of the games this weekend. Please remember to tell your friends about the Off the Charts football podcast. You can go to footballoutsiders.com. They've got tons of great content for you. Aaron, what can the people find on the website this week? Uh, Walkthrough looks at whether Andrew Whitworth is a Hall of Famer or not. And Film Room takes a look at the Patriots passing game, which may be better than you realize. Very interesting stuff there. Uh, I wonder I wonder if uh, that Patriots passing game might be starting to develop into something now that they've had some time to form their They don't really have the deep threats, but they're getting the short stuff going. And I think Cam Newton has his, had his best game as a passer against Baltimore. You can check out Sports Info Solutions on Twitter at SportsInfo underscore SIS. We now have separate football and baseball accounts. So you can check out at Football SIS or at SIS Baseball. Um, they're in reverse orders there, um, but you can check either of those accounts out if you want to just get the specialized content for one sport or the other. Um, you can also check out the free SIS Data Hub by visiting sisdatahub.com, and you can get a trial of the Data Hub Pro at pro.sisdatahub.com. And for all of your prop betting needs, you can check out sisbets.com, where you can get prop bet recommendations to beat the odds for all of your prop bets for, for football and baseball when that's in season two. 
For my co-host, Aaron Schatz, and our producer, Justin Stein, I'm Matt Manicharian, and thank you for joining us for the latest episode of the Off the Charts Football Podcast. 